Good afternoon and welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. And happy Friday to everybody. So take a look at what's been happening in the market trade today. Of course, wrapping up the weekend. Unfortunately, we couldn't do it with positives all the way across the board. We saw the drop happen in the corn and the wheat on the day. Beans were to the upside. And if we flip over to the livestock page here quickly, we did see some green on this on the numbers, except for some, you know, one contract in hogs and one contract in feeder cattle. But still, overall, not that bad of a day considering what we could have been dealing with with the way this week's trade has been. We've got a lot of things to look at today in this market, and we're going to get the details with Jeff Peterson. He's with Heartland Farm Partners. So really talking about this whole week, let's look at this corn market to start out with. What'd you think? Well, it is interesting. So let's just kind of we'll review a little bit here how we kind of finish, and we'll talk about how we got here. And, and you look at March corn today, tried, kind of traded on both sides of unchanged. And, and overall, I think they actually had a pretty good close, considering we had crude oil down a couple dollars a barrel. And, and ultimately, we ended up having some weakness coming out of both the Chicago, Kansas City, and Minneapolis wheat markets. And and so let's just dig into that a little bit further, Susan. And it's been an interesting week in corn. And if you go all the way back to, you know, when the crop report came out uh, last last Friday, you know, we, we ended up having, if you, if you look back to where we're at on March futures uh, on that close, at 644. And then we come into Monday's trade action and we have a really nice day up. You know, we actually bounce up 10. And then uh, we see some follow through then again on the 13th. And we, we add, uh, we pop all the way up and hit resistance there. And what we really came up to at that point, we were, Trading right up to 653 and a half. And, and that came right up to a downtrending resistance line. And that, that line goes all the way back, really back to the first few days of November. And then we kind of bounced up into that area again towards the end of November. And, and surprisingly enough, today's trade, we came right up to that line again, which also is coming in line with the 20 day moving average, Susan. So, so we've kind of got some technical resistance in here. Um, market action, it's just kind of sitting there waiting and, and biding time, trying to see, are we going to be able to get any strength in the outside markets? You know, what's going to happen with that South American weather? And we'll talk more about that weather in a little bit, Susan. Hard to believe, though, there's only eight trading days left for this corn market to do something maybe spectacular in 22, but probably not. Yeah, I know. Exactly. So what about for the soybeans? What are your thoughts on how they traded this week? You know, soybeans overall, so we take a look. Today's action here, if you if you just look at the January contract, closed at 1480, traded up to 1486. You know, on that close up at 1480, we were up six and a half for the day. But we did trade all the way down to 1465 and a half at one point. And we kind of look at the trade action for the week. And, and we dig in and look a little bit closer and, and dig in to take a look at the soybeans. And, and soybeans are kind of just working their way sideways here. And, and the weight on those markets really comes back to that South American weather. And with that South American weather, we, we, what it really kind of looks like is you take a look, the overall feel is that South America is going to have a very good crop. Um, there's going to be problems, though, right? Argentina is going to have some issues, and they continue to have issues. But the general feeling is that the the better areas within Brazil should be able to overcome what we end up seeing in Argentina. So, if we want to go ahead and see this market surge higher uh, on the bean side, we we would really have to see some drier conditions come into not only what we're seeing in Argentina, not only what we're already seeing in southern Brazil, but we'd have to see that moving further into. Um, parts of northern Brazil in order to get that going, or we'd have to see a really big surge here in the outside markets, and in particular the crude oil market. So that's kind of where soybeans are at, Susan. What about for demand-wise for everything? I mean, we see an 
opportunity to some export sales, but the market just didn't really kind of react in any exciting way like they usually do. No, and that was the surprising part, isn't it? We had some really good export sales numbers. You know, those numbers came out on Thursday and actually is a little bit better than what everyone is expecting. So let's just drill into those numbers a little bit. Uh, when we take all those numbers into account and we go back to September 1st, that's when the crop year would have started for corn and soybeans. And we, we take a look at what's been shipped and we also look at what's still left to be shipped. We've actually, uh, we're about 4% higher than, than what we, um, would be on the export sales side, you know, compared to where we would have been a year ago. Now, USDA in the December WASDE report said we were going to be down about 5%. So, so we're ahead of pace. But what we know is that we know on that side of it, on the export sales side, our window is closing. As, as we get out to the middle of January, we start seeing Brazil starting to offer out beans cheaper than we are. So, you know, our window will close fast. And then we move over to the corn side and, and corn didn't have as good a numbers by no means to, to what soybeans, but they were decent. But overall, the big thing that gets all the attention here right now is the fact that on the export inspection side, you know, what we've shipped out, we're down about 31% compared to a year ago. But the even bigger percentage pullback is when we take into account what we've shipped, but then we also look at what we've still got on the books to ship. And when we bring that all into account, looking back to September, comparing that to a year ago, we're down about 48% compared to a year ago. And that's a big number. Can we make that and, up? Um, that's a great question. USDA believes we're going to be down about 16%. Um, I don't think they're too far off on that down 16% because... You know, we're going to have just the opposite situation happen on corn as we have beans. What's happening is that right now, Brazil had plenty of corn coming out of Safrina crop. They're still offering stuff out at very competitive prices. But as we get out to the middle part of January, first few days of February, we're actually seeing that our offers coming out of the U.S. are, are competitive and we should start picking up the business. And the thing to remember, this first crop that they're planting, um, actually, where the dryness is happening in the southern parts of Brazil, I mean, that's impacting their first corn crop, but their first corn crop mostly gets used for their domestic use. And that only makes up about 25% of their all, overall corn production. Their big exports actually come off their safrina crop, which makes up 75% of their production, Susan. Which is going to make for some very interesting times as we uh, get closer to their harvest and our preparation for planting. Well, stick around, folks. When we come back. We're going to talk. We are going to talk more about what's going on in South America and weather-wise. But we're also going to take a look. A lot of chatter on social media about corn demand with ethanol and what we're seeing with electric vehicles. Stick around. More is coming up on this Friday version of the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Results are in for 2022, and Fontenelle does it again. In farmer-managed trials this past season, Fontenelle's three top-yielding corn products had an 8.3-bushel advantage over Pioneer's commercially available leading volume products. That's a 68% win rate on farms just like yours. Contact your local Fontenelle hybrids dealer or go to Fontenelle.com to learn more. Results calculated using 15% moisture. Read and follow pesticide label directions, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield, continuing our conversation this afternoon with Jeff Peterson with Heartland Farm Partners. Uh, talking about what we've seen so far when it comes to demand and market action when it comes to the corn and the beans, kind of flip things over a little bit and talk from a feed perspective because you know these livestock producers like to see when there's red on the screen, but there's also concern about what's going to be available to them. 
Yeah, there really is. And, and that's kind of the rest of the story as we think about, you know, the export side and, and in particular on the corn side. We, we believe that if, if anything, you know, would we have bigger export numbers on corn or lower? Probably have a better chance of lower. But we said, you know, we, we're going to have a chance here to have a much better opportunity to export once we get around the first part of the year. But take a look at that feed number. And, and when we look at what came out in the WASDE report, last week on Friday, and we compare where their feed number is compared to a year ago, they're down 7.3%. And when we look at that, Susan, we, we take a look and think about, okay, what's been going on out there? Well, it's been dry in the Southern Plains. A lot of the areas have got cattle of, you know, were dry this summer, and they had to move stuff out of off the pastures and get them moved into the yards. We know that hay, alfalfa, and, and then um, it's general hay and in general has been tight we we know that as you move down into parts of kansas they didn't have the basically the wheat that they could physically go graze out on so overall we think there's room to see that feed number increase down the road so when we think about if exports would have to be reduced a little bit we think there's room to actually increase that feed number as we go down the road susan all right what are we looking at for demand i mean there's been a lot of chatter on social media about concerns about demand for ethanol what that's going to mean for the corn as we see a bigger push for for the uh electric vehicles yeah, it is something. And, you know, probably if we'd have been talking maybe a couple of years ago, I'd, I'd have maybe been a little bit more concerned about this. But one area of additional demand that we're looking at from the ethanol side that, that I think has a lot of potential, and that gets back to the sustainable aviation fuel. And there's really two ways to get to that sustainable aviation fuel. Um, you can further refine the renewable diesel side, or you can physically come at it from the ethanol side. And what gets exciting about the sustainable aviation fuel market is that, that that's a big market, Susan. If you look within the U.S., you're, you're talking somewhere between 25 and 35 billion gallons. Most would settle in somewhere around about 30 billion gallons. But then you walk that out and say, well, what about all across the world? And the number that keeps being talked about there is somewhere around about 100 billion gallons. So it's a big potential demand. And as low as long as we want to continue to hear discussion, you know, about the low carbon and low carbon fuel standards, um, you know, we've seen some action uh, this week coming out of California where they're reinforcing that that's a path they want to take. And one of the things that they've identified is also making sure that they're doing that not only in the vehicles that, you know, for passenger, but for trucks, but they also want to make sure they're doing that on the airplanes. And so as, as we look at the California market, we look at the Oregon market, you take a look on up there in the Washington market and then across the world. Um, I think there'll be enough alternative uses that come back around to, to be able to give us uh, additional demand that's needed um, as we look at the ethanol side, Susan. All right. As we look at the weather side of South America, we talked about it some in the front half of this program, but long term for their growing season, what are you hearing out there? Yeah, it is. Uh, it is interesting. And the rest of the story, so to speak, in regard to, to what's going on weather-wise would be there's probably about 80% of Argentina that the weather has been dry enough and been hot enough that it's impacting yields. And overall, we, we talked about from the impact that that could have on the crops, on soybeans, we said, well, South America probably looks good enough. Um, to be able to offset some of that. But it becomes a different story as we start talking about corn. And and as a matter of fact, you think about it, uh, Argentina bounces around, usually around the number three um, exporter of corn in, in the world. And, and I don't think the crop that we're expecting to see coming out of Brazil can go ahead and necessarily offset 
the reductions that we're having on the corn side, partly because, you know, some of the dry conditions that we're having in Brazil um, is really in the areas that produce that first corn crop. And it's really too early to know what's going to happen on that safrina corn crop. So, so we're going to have to watch those conditions very closely going forward, Susan. Do you have any concerns when it comes to production for South America at this point? Um, as of right now on the soybean side, I would say um, probably not a lot of concern because I think if we do, uh, unless we see some drier conditions move into Brazil, I, I think overall they'll still have a very big crop. But, but we do have some concerns. It's, it's too early to get bullish or supportive on the corn market uh, because of any problems coming out of South America. But on the corn side, it could be a little bit bigger deal, but that still shouldn't keep us from making some sales because if the conditions change down there then susan then all of a sudden we see these markets pull back all right lots of things that we took a look at for today uh real quick corn harvest in ukraine we don't talk a lot about that no we really don't and if we kind of dig in and take a look at that right now they're moving along they're setting about 70 percent harvested but the big thing there is that we just have to watch yields as we go forward so we know the imports won't be as good susan all right best way for folks to get a hold of you jeff you bet. Give me a call at 402-366-4694. Check us out on the web at heartlandfarmpartners.com or follow me on Twitter at jeffpeterson01. And that is today's Fontenelle Final Bell being brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers. Just a reminder, commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss not suitable to all investors. And that's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network.